Good day everyone and welcome to this episode of the Posh Pod the pod where we talk about everything to do with the anti-sexual harassment law in India your co-host co-hosts rather Vishen Jaswant and Lakshmi Char I am a partner with Cyril Amarjan working in the employment law practice so I regularly advise clients on issues dealing with the sexual harassment law with me today Lakshmi Char who is the co-founder at Parity Consulting an organization that deals with everything to do with inclusion at the workplace including prevention of sexual harassment that's the two of us hopefully we can add some value to you today we've been discussing issues around posh now uh, this is our second episode but you will hear us today discussing specifically issues to do with uh, whether the law protects only women whether there are uh, other genders covered by the law as well so before we jump into it lakshmi you want to tell us a little bit about see we know broadly that the law does protect only mm-hmm. women right mm-hmm. and i will go into it in little more detail on specifically what the law says and why it says what it does but can you tell us uh, your take a little bit on why do you think it is that the law protects only women from from a cultural kind of standpoint right thank you for giving me a soapbox on which i shall climb up and never climb down again <laughs> um but uh, why women only and my personal theory hmm. um sociologically if we look at it right i mean where does harassment occur forget about sexual uh, harassment but harassment of any kind harassment occurs when there is one party that feels more powerful than the other party and this feeling is accepted by the party that feels less powerful i mean it sounds like very uh, this thing but the person who feels more powerful feels that they can get away with saying and doing things that mm. perhaps they would not have been able to get away with with the person who is equally as powerful as them mm. right mm. so if we look at global society if we look at human society right and and we see how is society segmented in this using this lens the lens of power the least uh, powerful or the most vulnerable section of any society is children hmm. because you know 99% of the t- uh, of the time a child is less powerful than an adult in a particular situation so if you look at the way that india has also you know followed that path the first law that talked about protecting elements of indian society against sexual harassment was in fact the law that today we know as poxo mm. right which is which really provides this protection against uh, sexual offenses uh, perform, uh, um, sexual offenses performed against children then we say okay let's take a step back and see what is the next vulnerable segment by and large in a society and it tends to be women and there's a lot of research that that's actually gone into that right so now we're seeing okay the posh act um i am hoping that while we are seeing this progression of protection we know it's not inclusive as yet mm. the, the law is very clear it protects women um i'm hoping that what this means is that uh, protection against sexual harassment in india is going to be codified into law for all vulnerable populations and and for all the men out there who are asking don't men get harassed of course men get harassed of course they do right um what the reality is that proportionately speaking the number of uh, of men or the percentage of men who get harassed is significantly lower hmm. so i'm hoping the act is like i say it's progressive not yet inclusive but the operating word being not yet i i'm hoping we're going to see uh, something in that space from a legal perspective just want to add to this now uh the law is clear the law says that only an aggrieved woman can mm-hmm. file a complaint mm-hmm. and uh, 
therefore excluding any other genders mm-hmm. right but so let's also discuss what it covers mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. everyone is clear it covers a woman harassing a woman as well as a man harassing a woman yes. right both yes. of that is covered because it covers all aggrieved women doesn't say aggrieved by whom you can be aggrieved by a man or aggrieved by a woman yes one two it it obviously covers in the first instance only cis women who are uh, designated female at birth mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. in the first instance but there is some progress on that front as well we've seen uh, delhi high court case of i think it's called anamika was in of 2018 case was in of india where the court not in a sexual harassment a posh act situation but sexual harassment under the ipc situation mm-hmm. uh, allowed a complaint to be filed because the IPC also protects only women yeah. right that section yeah. 354a of the IPC also protects only women uh, but a transgender person was allowed to file a complaint and take it forward in that case because she identified as a woman yes right yes. uh we it's a whole different story about is it fair for a transgender person to identify as a woman are the benefits that they get proportionate and appropriate we won't delve into that today but uh just assuming that the identification as a woman is on a good faith basis and is genuine and is real uh it has to be said that the decision is progressive mm-hmm. right uh so arguably the act protects not only cis women but also trans women yes right so that's that's where the extension is and you spoke about uh, the marginalized section of society and those needing protection and will the men be protected fact is all societies all countries as in when you identify sections of society that are uh, less privileged disadvantaged you can see laws coming we spoke about transgender persons india now has a transgender protection act from 2019 yes right india does from 2017 i think have an hiv and aids act which because that's another section of society who were being uh, disadvantaged so the changes will come as in when we feel that there is a need for dis- disadvantaged sections to be protected mm. the change will come so but before the change comes companies also want to bring that change yeah, right yeah. so in your experience from dealing with so, so many companies mm. on their ics mm. are you seeing gender neutral policies so yes and now suddenly the answer is fortunately yes uh-huh. <laughs> right um yeah absolutely we are seeing that willingness and 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 again there are certain organizations that are ahead of the curve in this space and primarily we're seeing organizations that are in a position to borrow or adapt home office policies especially mm-hmm. if home office is in you know uh, eu or in the yeah. us or something like that right they're definitely bringing those policies in, in place so we are seeing gender neutrality becoming an element mm-hmm. of workplace culture right in in a variety of ways posh uh, being one um interestingly you spoke about delhi high court we know calcutta high court for example has very specifically said th- this uh, you know the, the uh, lesbian harassment woman on uh, woman is very much covered by the posh act and mm-hmm. and interestingly for me as a lay person um i look at aggrieved woman as a genderized term mm-hmm. and alleged perpetrator has no gender right yeah. so, so so it seems to me that there is a little bit of wiggle uh, room over there um what is interesting and, and and this is where i'd love to hear your take 
when an organization says, hey, we have a gender neutral policy in terms of protecting um, our employees against harassment, um, the Posh Act is very clear and says regardless of everything else that you have in place, you organization are mandated to have a, a Posh policy and be an internal committee yeah. which investigates this, right? How do you see the play between that? I mean, is, is it... Is it good that organizations are being told this? Uh, is it better to subsume the posh policy inside a gender neutral policy? Where do you see the value um, and, mm. and perhaps even the consequences? Yeah, okay. So I don't see a negative in having a gender neutral policy, but employers need to sensitize the employees about their expectations of having a gender neutral policy. Hmm. The reason I say that is because the law protects only women, hmm. right? Which means the statutory protections that are given are only for the women. So while an employer may be benevolent and give benefits more than what the law prescribes, the employee must remember that this is a gesture on the part of the employer mm. and you won't get the benefits of the law. Now, what do I mean? Couple of benefits on the, on, under the law, the IC, the internal committee, has the powers of a civil court, mm -hmm. which means with respect to asking for evidence, with respect to calling witnesses to give testimony, they have the powers of a court. If you defy the IC, the consequences are similar to you defying a court. Yes, right? yes. But those benefits will not be available. Those rights will not be available to the IC when they are dealing with a complaint from a man. Right? The, the gender neutral policy can say that a man can file a complaint to the IC as well. But the IC won't have those powers when it is dealing with the complaint from by a man. So if someone refuses to come as a witness, someone refuses to uh, give evidence, uh, you won't be able to take them to task saying this is... Uh, you know, a violation of the orders of the court or, yeah. right? So you won't be able to do that. Mm. Plus there are, I'll just add yeah, one yeah. more one more benefit, which, uh, which I think listeners will um, relate to is the appeal process. Under the act, if you are not happy with the decision that your IC has given you, then you can go to your uh, authority un prescribed under the law, which is under the Standing Orders Act. There is an authority who can hear appeals uh, from decisions of ICs. Yeah. So an aggrieved woman can do it and uh, who's and a respondent against whom the matters can do it. But an aggrieved man doesn't have this right. Mm. Right. So while an, an IC can uh, mm. pass an order in uh, in a matter relating to an complete from an aggrieved man, he won't be able to appeal in the manner under the law. So these are the kind of benefits that will not be available to them. So, so uh, Bishan, what if an organization is thoughtful enough mm. to understand this, right? Mm. And mm. and has excellent legal counsel from mm. Camp, um, and Thanks says, for the plug. <laughs> and says, um, you know, hey, we've thought about all of these things. We are going to include exactly what you said, right? Mm. We're going to include those elements into uh, the the contract of employment, whether it is called a letter of employment or you know whatever is is the mm. uh, terminology, mm. right? But into that letter that every employee has to sign when they accept the job offer, right? So, so um, and, and then say, okay, these are the service rules. And if you are found, if you employee are found in breach of the service rules, then X, Y, Z is going to be the consequence, yeah. right? It's a little bit of a, you know, hey, let's, let's uh, reach around kind of thing. But is that something that organizations can explore if they're thinking of, you know, we, we want to be truly gender neutral? No, absolutely. Uh, you can... 
unless the law prohibits it you can have contractual obligations on the employees to essentially like you're saying incentivize them to comply yes. right with the law but what what is the worst an employer can do fire you yes right you don't have any rights beyond that no so the consequences are less grave compared to someone who does not follow the orders of an ic in a matter where the complaint is by a woman mm. because then you will be uh, subject to the court's process right essentially for not not giving testimony for not uh, giving evidence mm. right so it's a higher uh, greater consequence mm. in matters where the ic has the powers of a civil court what you're saying makes sense in terms of giving the employees incentive and having incentive is better than not having incentive uh, sure but i'm uh, the point i'm making is it doesn't reach the same standard yeah so, so what i'm hearing from you is that from an organization's perspective as a legal entity mm. <clears throat> it's okay for me to be more um liberal than the law i mean in the sense yes. to, to add more this thing but i have to meet the legal minimum hmm. and and uh, from from a posh uh, perspective the specifics of you know creating an internal committee making sure that they know what their responsibilities and and powers are um you know clarifying to all of the employees that hey listen we have this kind of a policy and and you are mandatorily covered by it. so all of that good stuff that that the posh act tells us um we're saying that every employer who is um who's covered by the act right 10 10 people and more and you know we we've got certain criteria in place over there um what if hmm. right um and an organization says look we've got all of this um and and uh we know that the posh act talks about uh, no anonymous complaints we the organization do have a whistleblower uh, policy or a, a, you know a, a whatever anonymous uh, tips policy mm. and somewhere while that anonymous tip is being investigated or something like that uh, let's say it's the hr grievance redressal mechanism that is investigating it right and they realize that they actually have enough material in their investigation for a valid posh complaint to be made mm. uh in that case how would the how is there a responsibility the hr has that they come up to to say let's say they come up to me and say hey lakshmi you know what we were investigating this anonymous complaint and we've come to know you know about the circumstance of x and y and z so if you want to raise an uh, an ic if you want to raise a complaint with the ic then you know you have the ability to do it or do they raise the complaint on my behalf i mean how does that play because they've come to know now yeah so under this act nobody can raise a complaint on your behalf without your consent mm. right that much is clear mm. and uh it's also the case that you don't want to involve a woman in a sexual harassment proceeding uh without her consent mm. right you don't want to don't want to force her into a proceeding mm. so there is and there is no obligation on the employer to initiate proceedings uh, when you come across certain information okay but since in in this fact situation the information is there with the employer uh, it seems in bad faith to just sit on it yeah. right and so the good practice here would be to approach the um, woman with the evidence that is available with you um, ensure your clarifying conveying that this is in good faith and this is confidential and unless you want to take this forward it won't go forward and ask them if they want to file a complaint and if the answer is yes then you ask them to take on record a complaint and there is a process in the act even 
if a woman wants assistance with filing a complaint you can provide that assistance yeah. and all of that yeah. to put that record uh, complaint down in writing and then the regular process will follow from there but there's certainly no obligation to initiate that initiate that by yourself so 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 it's interesting right because i'm coming back to where we started we started with does the act why does the act protect only women mm. and then you know now we're looking at this and saying that you know it is possible that the organization has identified a woman who uh, is entitled to protection mm. right but chooses not to protect herself yeah. right so so in a situation like that employ you you talked about the employer does not have the obligation to raise the complaint mm. right but what happens if the employer does not in fact raise the complaint and then uh, you know the the situation escalates in, in terms of uh, you know maybe more women being targeted by this person or again going back to where where uh, we you know we've talked about earlier which is the cultural stigma of women not wanting to be associated with being uh, uh and and I'm using this term advisedly right being a victim of sexual harassment um i don't want people to know about it i would prefer to pretend it didn't happen and and you know uh, i ignore it and yet the act is very clear that i'm i as a woman i'm protected by it right isn't there a, a kind of dissonance over there see no i think i the act clearly says that the the complaint has to be in writing complaint has to be from the aggrieved woman mm-hmm. right uh, there is no scope here to impose a complaint on her i just uh, don't see a way in which that will ever be viewed as fair by any court who's analyzing the situation uh, either mm-hmm. and sure i get the point where you're coming from that there may be something that happens today which you come across in terms of information that you don't act on uh, which becomes an issue in the future but you have no obligation to act mm. and when you have no obligation to act apart from feeling like you have morally done the wrong thing mm. there is no legal non compliance i mean that you are you, ha- you have done right? okay so uh, l- you if you have an anonymous complaint with you or if you come across information that uh, you think is not right you can address that outside of the posh process yeah. right you don't have to follow the posh process to deal with an issue okay. right the posh process must be followed when a complaint is raised in the manner set out under the act by an aggrieved woman but nothing prevents an employer from making his workplace safer so if you look at the posh act uh, section 19 with all of those duties of an employer yeah. there are duties in there to sensitize employees mm-hmm. right there are duties in there to <coughs> prevent sexual harassment from happening the yeah. uh, preamble to the act also talks about prevention it's in the name as well prevention so sometimes we make the mistake of assuming that the point of the posh act is to deal with sexual harassment complaints yeah. it's not yeah. right it's to prevent it as well and we don't need uh, a complaint for that yes right yes. and yes. i think that's for all ics to also and that's part of the reason why uh, it's like a tidbit why the name of the committee is changed from internal complaints committee to a few years back it became internal committee because it's not a complaints committee it's yeah. not just a complaints committee yeah. it's more than that yeah. and so for all of the things that you are saying the ic does have the powers to take action and they should yeah yeah and 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 from the ic's perspective to your point right you know i mean be getting involved with prevention and prohibition rather than waiting for a redressal right yeah. which which is what the act uh, calls out i think is useful for the organization culture as a whole and for every individual employee as such yeah. right so so let me take you back to where we started this conversation and and we talked about you know uh, cishet women mm. 
and uh, you know uh, non cis het women right so given what we are what we are seeing with not just the posh act but also some other judicial um, pronouncements from the bench or or even yeah. comments in the press and stuff do you think that my hope which is we are progressing in this space that that we're going to see perhaps an evolution of the the maybe the posh act itself or um you know that some in in some way the judiciary is interpreting hmm. what they have the the act in in the way the way it is keeping in mind the current social changes and 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 transformation i'm understanding your question to be whether the posh act will cover other genders and widen its scope in the future and whether you think whether i think that will happen hopefully yeah. do you see that trend so, in the judiciary one i don't think it's necessary uh, and i'll mm. tell you why because it actually takes from what you are saying right from from the very beginning the issue is widespread patriarchy in india the world right in the workplace majority of people are men clearly the segment of the population that needs protecting is women and therefore the posh act makes sense and when there are sex section of society that need protection we've seen the hiv act we have seen the transgender mm-hmm. act they will come and in most of these places the people in power are unfortunately today men so we can be sure that if a time comes when the men need protection it will happen <laughs> i don't think we need to force it it will happen organically and probably before uh, the time for it to happen organically organically comes itself it will happen so we definitely need don't need to push it uh, it will happen if it needs to happen All right. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, thank you. And for anybody who's interested, go read up the UGC guidelines. They they don't really apply to the workplace, but it's so interesting to see the trend in in terms of how those guidelines have been uh, uh interpreted and and uh, worded. And as always, Bishan do like do subscribe <laughs> do write into the various into our comments. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, all of it. Thank you everybody. Bye for now.